0: Monday sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln a podcast to help on the faith journey now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater when you read a book do you ever flip to the end and read the last line now, I know we're in the age of Kindles now, and I've actually moved most of my reading to a Kindle. Uh, I uh, am only a little ashamed to say I have two Kindles, <laughs> but still the fact remains, do you ever flip to the end and read the last line? I've got a few, and I want to see if you recognize them, and I should have a little talk with the choir now, because you, <laughs> you all were here first service. You know, the, let them answer first, okay? So. And I've got some in here for kids, too, so listen closely. How about this one? The scar had not pained Harry for 19 years. All was well. Harry Potter, which one? Deathly Hallows, the last one. Yeah, that's what I, I know it as the last one. I can never remember the name, but you get the idea, right? Okay, here's one, one that I probably wouldn't have known if I hadn't looked it up. How about this? After all, tomorrow is another day. Gone with the wind. I heard a few there. Okay, let's go with a little different tone here. He loved Big Brother. 1984, right? Yeah, I told you it was a little different tone. (laughs) Now here's one, I don't think, nobody knew this at first service or if they did, they didn't shout it out. So let's see if any of you do. Fortunate country that is one day to receive hearts like Alexandra's into its bosom, to give them out again in the eyes of yellow wheat and the rustling corn and the shining eyes of youth. Ah, nobody, you'll know it when you hear it. Oh pioneers, some Willa Cather for you today. (laughs) <laughs> and here, because that one was a little hard at least to recognize, here's an easy one. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Christmas Carol, Christmas Carol right? Charles Dickens. <laughs> So, those are all good stories, and it's nice to remember the last lines. But the story we're telling today, of course, is the story of Jesus. A story that begins, well, begins in the beginning, but begins in earnest, I suppose, at Christmas when God came to earth. After centuries, after millennia of God's people going back and forth, trying to get things right, taking three steps forward and then two and a half steps back, (laughs) finally, God says, I'm not not going to leave them on their own. I am going to go to live with them. And so Jesus comes in a manger. We tell this story every Christmas, right? God making his home with us. Jesus goes around, teaches, and of course, the time comes, uh, as uh, we all know the story well, when Jesus is uh, arrested, when he is beaten, when he is tortured, when he is killed on the cross, when he experiences the worst that humanity can throw at him. But is he defeated? Now, that is the story of today, and I'm going to read it for you again. After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake. I love how it says look in there. Look, there was a great earthquake for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now, I've always wanted to see the look on the angel's face. Don't you imagine it was a little smug? Like, look what God has done. Now, uh, Mark tells her, or Matthew tells it like, this, now his face, the angels, was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. Come see the place where they laid him. Now hurry. Go and tell the disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. And so the women became the first to see the resurrection of Jesus and the first to proclaim the message that Christ is risen. Christ is risen. (laughs) I slipped another one in. (laughs) and of course the story doesn't end there either. Jesus appears to his disciples other times. Uh, Once they they see him and they think he's a ghost, you know, they imagine that he's a ghost because, you know, what else, what other frame of reference do they have to understand what was going on? But Jesus says, no, come and touch my wounds. You know, I am flesh and blood like you, and I am raised. Another time they eat fish on the beach. We could go on and on of these stories. That's the story we read today. Okay, how about this one? Kids, this is for the kids. I don't want any grown-ups answering this one, okay? Here we are. Oh, no, I've got to get to the right page because they spread out the last line over a couple pages. Max stepped into his private boat and waved goodbye and sailed back over a year and in and out of weeks and through a day and into the night of his very own room where he found his supper waiting for him and it was still hot. Kids, anybody, what is it? Where the wild things are. I have a hunch, okay, we won't go there. (laughs) Okay, here's another one that I, I don't know if anybody will get this or not. This is another one of a different tone. Are there any questions? Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, that one was kind of a hard one, I admit. How about this one? And O and M, I'm so glad to be home again. I haven't heard it yet. The wonderful Wizard of Oz, they heard it last service. <laughs> that one was kind of a trick question, wasn't it? How about this one? Very few castaways can claim to have survived so long at sea as Mr. Patel and none in the company of an adult Bengal tiger. Life of Pi and if you haven't read it yet, spoiler alert, right? (laughs) You know, I think the biggest theological heresy of our time is the idea that God has given up on earth. And you hear it in a lot of ways. You know, like for instance, the idea of the rapture that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Christians whom I respect and love and would love to have a conversation with believe in so dearly, uh, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see, uh, p- part of it implies that God has given up on the earth and we're all gonna get whisked away. Uh, when you believe that sort of thing, first of all, wh- why bother caring for the earth if we're about to leave it? It goes to some bad places, right? Even, even a theology that a lot of us have this heaven when you die theology. Now, that's not wrong. I'm not knocking it, but it's also incomplete because it misses what God is still doing in the world. You know, I don't listen to a lot of bluegrass, but every now and then I get on a little bluegrass kick. And one of the things you hear a lot in bluegrass music is this idea that we're strangers in this world. I don't buy that either because we see even in the book of Genesis that God made us as part of the world and made us caretakers of the earth. No, we're not strangers here. This is where we're made to be. And what we see in Jesus is not God giving up on the world. No, what we see in Jesus is God pouring into this world. We see Jesus coming at Christmas to live with us, to be with us. We see Jesus teaching us, of course. And then on Good Friday, he even absorbs the worst that this world has to offer. And on Easter morning, transforms it into something new. And so, God not only came to the world, he came back to the world on Easter and said that he would continue to come back. And he said that the earth is not only our home, but it's God's home too. And do you see what that means? Do you see what it means when you truly begin to believe that God is truly transforming this world? The, we, we, it means that would be strong men that would try to conquer countries in Europe aren't going to win. Now, yeah, there's going to be suffering in the meantime. There's going to be difficult days. And we help how we can to alleviate that suffering. But we know that the inevitable victory will always be God's. We see political strife, cultural divide in our own community. And we must address it. We must be part of making it better. But we do it knowing that God wins in the end. When we see our planet's climate changing because of us, when we see the suffering that comes from extreme weather events and all else that it it leads to, we do all we can to help because we must. We do all we can to change it because we must care for the earth too. But we also do it with a sense of hope because we know that God cares even more about the earth than we can and can do things that we cannot. Can we get even closer to home? when we see poverty, when we see injustices in our, uh, an unhealthy imprisonment in our own community, when we see mental health struggles that can be addressed that, but aren't, well, we must help how we can. But we do so knowing that God goes ahead of us and that God will win in the end. When we see struggles in our own family, we do what we can, but we do it knowing that God will win in the end. And when our own lives are rock, We keep on taking the next faithful step because what else can we do? But we take it knowing that God wins in the end. You see, Easter means that we may live with confidence because we know that God has not given up on us. We may live with confidence because we know that God has not given up on this world. And in fact, God has doubled down time and time again. And we are never far from that hope. Here's another one for the kids. Now, this is my personal favorite. So if you don't know it, I'm going to read it to you after church, okay? Good night stars, good night air, good night noises everywhere. Good night moon. Yeah, a bunch of you got that one. (laughs) How about this? Oh, my girls, however long you may live, I I never can wish you a greater happiness than this. Little women. And one last one here. This book's got a bunch of uh, appendices, so I have to do the bookmark carefully. Sam drew a deep breath. Well, I'm back, he said. Nobody? I may have to read this one to you too. Lord of the Rings, (laughs) specifically Return of the King, the last one at the end of the great adventure. Now, are you ready for this? Are you ready for what I'm about to say? What Jesus did on Easter is he read us the last line of the story. What Jesus did on Easter is he read us the last line of the book. Now, we're still in the middle of things. We're still in the middle of the story. Let there be no doubt about that. There is still suffering in the world. There are still battles to be fought. There are still obstacles to be overcome, injustices to be righted. There is still pain that must be suffered. These things need our attention. We cannot just stand and watch when we have the power to help things move forward. But let us never forget that we know how the story ends because on Easter, we saw a taste of what God is bringing into the world. We saw a vision, not only of what could be, but a vision of what will be. We saw a glimpse of the last line of this book. Do you wanna know how this one ends? Let me read it to you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. That is what we saw in Jesus on Easter morning. That is what we see, present tense, in Jesus on Easter morning. We see the first glimpse of the new creation that God is making in our midst. And so, even as we walk in the middle of Act 4 or whatever this is, (laughs) even as we walk in the midst of the strife, we know how the story ends. What remains is the question What do we do with this knowledge? How does it change us? How does it change how we walk? Seems to me that once you know this, once you know how the story ends, once you know Easter, the only real choice is to live as a person of hope. How can you not? That means that when struggles come your way, you endure them. When pain comes your way, you feel it. When suffering comes to those you love, you sit with them. But you do it knowing that it's only a matter of time. When our country struggles, when our world struggles, you're saddened and you help. But you also know what Psalm 30 says, written so long before any of this, that the weeping may last the night, but joy comes with the morning. And the confidence given to you by the knowledge of knowing how the story ends, of knowing the last line of this story, it should make you respond in ways that help end the suffering and help build the new creation. Because God gave you hands and feet and minds and hearts to help build it. And never, never be afraid to let others see this hope in you The confidence of where this all is headed. Let your confidence spill over for everyone to see because God wants their help too. And they need to know that Christ is risen. risen Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the spoiler. (laughs) We give you thanks that you have given us a glimpse of where it all is headed. As we walk in the middle of our story, may we do it with the confidence that comes from being your Easter people. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.